Has God been good to you this week? Come on, give him some praise. Come on, you can do better than that. Give Jesus all the praise this morning. All right. I thought this was the 11 o'clock. All right, all right. Good, good to know that I am at the 11 o'clock service. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is Adam Harold, and uh, my incredible wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of, of leading this community that we call The Refuge together. We do it as a team, and uh, we just want to say thank you for being here. We want to meet you in the best way, easiest way for us to do that is for you to fill out the card in front of you that Jeff talked about, and I just want to send you a card in the mail to say thank you so much for your time today on this beautiful Sunday, finally in Maine, right? It's finally a beautiful Sunday. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a summer, right? It's been a summer, and uh, we've been, uh, we're just so, so thankful that you would uh, sacrifice today in being here. Well, wasn't last Sunday, those of you that were here, wasn't that incredible? Uh, my friend Brian Shippey were, was in town. I told the first service, I am selfish. So uh, you thought that I just wanted my friend to come and speak for you, and you wanted me to, sh- I wanted to share my friend with you, but really I just want to spend some time with my friend. And uh, so thank you so much for allowing me to do that. I love what God is doing in Brian's heart and life, and I love getting to be a part of it, and just to, that he would come and share and be a part of what we're doing was absolutely incredible. In the second service last Sunday, he leaned over to me, and he goes, man, it's insane what God is doing in your church. And um, I was like, yeah, it really is. And the only reason why he's doing it is because we're getting out of the way. And um, it's just been, it's been so, so much fun to watch God work and do what he wants to do. Something else last week that we announced, maybe you weren't here, um, we announced that uh, our friend Mark Malding, who wrote God's Best Kept Secret, a book that we gave away on our birthday, um, is looking to uh, add an audible version of the, of the book. One of the things that we noticed as we gave it away uh, people would ask me, Adam, is, is this book available on, on Audible? Uh, and I was like, no, he, you know, he hasn't recorded it. And, um, and it, we're like, oh, man, I, I wish I could listen on my treadmill as I'm walking or as I'm, as I'm driving on my way to work. I wish I had that option. And I was like, yeah, man, I wish we did, I did too. And so God pressed it on my heart for us to partner with Mark to, um, to get with him and say, all right, Mark, so how much is this going to cost? And, um, and so he did some research, found out it's going to cost $2,600, which really isn't terrible. And I said, Mark, we're going to raise that money for you. And so last week I announced that we're raising $2,600 to help Mark pay for um, the Audible um, recording of, of God's Best Kept Secret. And so I'm happy to announce that today, as of this morning, we raised $1,600. And so, yes, we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, and so I, I hope that next week, as a matter of fact, I know that next week I'll be able to stand up and say, hey, congratulations. Thank you for your generosity. We were able to raise all $2,600 in just two weeks uh, to help Mark um, record this book. And um, I believe, I, I told Mark on Wednesday, I said, to be honest, Mark, um, I'm selfish, right? I just said that already. Uh, and I just want to piggyback on your reward. <laughs> like, I know that there's going to re- be a reward in heaven for God's best kept secret. And this is a way I can get a piece of that reward. 
and this is this is called this is called an investment. And uh, and so um, thank you so much for your generosity. God's word is clear that obedience is a tithe, right? Obedience is 10 percent of what what we bring in. We give back to God 10 percent. Anything above and beyond that is an offering or or generosity, as I would like to call it. And so I want to say because this is above and beyond our tithe, thank you for your generosity. I can't wait to be able to announce next Sunday that we've raised all $2,600 and that that book will be available within the next six months or so. All right, so today we're in week two of a series that we're calling The Art of Casting. The Art of Casting, we began it two weeks ago, and um, it is only week two. Uh, We're making a play on words on casting because um, the Bible tells us to cast, but not to cast like a fisherman, but to cast our cares on God. In Psalm chapter 55, 22, and 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, um, it says this. I want to read these two passages for you. Um, Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you, and he will never permit the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast, Casting our, all our anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. Scripture is clear that God wants us to cast our cares on him. I don't know about you, but as I look at the world around us, I see a lot of anxiety. I see a lot of worry. I see a lot of people carrying their burdens. And... Um, there's mental illness is at an all-time high, and it's be, I think a lot of the reason is because we've carried our anxieties for so long without giving them to someone else, and so we just carry them, or maybe we, we give them to a friend, and then our friend starts to carry them, and, and they become more anxious, and they become more worrisome, and they never put it on the Lord. God's Word teaches us we have to put it on the Lord. And so hopefully this series, uh, you're learning the importance of putting your cares on the Lord so that hopefully we can get rid of some mental illness, some mental, men- mental issues, some, some anxiety. And let me just say, if, if you struggle with, with that, it's normal. You're, it's okay. Like, it's okay to struggle with our anxieties, but God doesn't want us to struggle with our anxieties. He wants us to learn to put it on him. And so um, the definition that we used for cast a couple of weeks ago was to put or to throw upon something, right? And so we have to put our cares and our worries on the Lord. Today, I hope to show you or to teach you how to cast. Hopefully it's not me that's teaching you how to cast, but hopefully it's the Spirit revealing to you how to cast. Are you with me? Who wants to learn how to cast today? Anybody want to learn how to cast today? All right, all right. I love it, I love it. If you were here when we began the series, you know that um, our text is in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, the story of Elijah when he was... He was suicidal. Elijah was um, under a broom tree, the scripture says. We're going to read it in a moment. But um, he's under a broom tree, and he's, and he's 
he's like he wants to to die. He's asking God, God, just take me now, kill me now. And the reason that he's he's asking God to um, to take him now is because the king's wife Jezebel is. Um, is mad that he stood up to 850 prophets, false prophets that were her buddies, and they died, and she's mad, and so she's like, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And in that moment, we learn the power that women have, right? <laughs> Ladies, you have a lot of power over us men. And this guy that had just stood up to 850 false prophets that had slaughtered them, all of a sudden became so weak that he just said, God, take me now. I want to die. And so um, this, is, this is Elijah trying to carry, like he's in his, he's in his feelings. He's, he's, he's worrying about this woman that wants to kill him. Well, we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 19 in just a moment. But before we begin today, uh, let me, I, want to, I want to give you a warning with a story. So this, this series was birthed uh, on a trip that I went to Montana. Um, I went fairly recently, um, maybe a month ago now. Um, I went on a fly fishing trip to Montana and uh, got to fish on the, the legendary Bighorn River and fly, learn how to fly fish, which I had done uh, once or twice before. And um, when I was there on day one, right before we went out on the Bighorn River, one of the guides named Andrew was teaching us how to cast. He's like, you know, you want to go back, you want to go forward, 10 and 2. We've all seen a river runs through it with Brad Pitt and all this stuff, Right. And so, like, we're learning how you want to make sure you go back and you don't want to go forward too soon. And while he's doing this, he says, how many of you have fly fished before? My hand went, went up along with a few other people. Their hands went up. And he said to us, you guys are going to struggle the hardest. And I was like, gee, thanks, Andrew. Like, thanks for the vote of confidence. I want to go out there and ca- I want to slay all day. I want to I catch some fish, Right. But Andrew's like, you're going to struggle the most. And I was like, man. And I think Andrew's words ring true today as we learn how to cast our cares on God. It brings me to today's big idea. The one thing I want to communicate to you today is this one thing. The biggest mistake we make in casting our cares on God is having expectations about how he will respond. Let me say that again, because evidently you didn't hear me. (laughs) The biggest mistake we make when casting our cares on God is having expectations of how he's going to respond. A lot of times in our lives, we look at God and we say, God, why are you doing it this way? Because if I were God, I would be doing it this way. And when I operate out of my expectation, what I do is I say, I am better at being God than God is. And so when we cast our cares and cast our worries on him, he's telling us, I want you to do it without expecting me to do anything. I want you to do it without any expectation. 
I think Andrew was teaching us. Those of you that have gone fly fishing, you think that you know how. You don't. So listen to your guide. It's the same with God. You think you know what you want God to do. You don't. So listen to your God. Listen to your God. First Kings chapter 19. Um, I'm preaching. I haven't even read any scripture yet. You can follow along with our notes in the YouVersion Bible app if you want to. Um, hopefully, you've got a pad and a paper, and you can write down some notes, and you can, uh, you can uh, take this home with you today. Uh, I want to look at, in 1 Kings 19, where God himself teaches Elijah how to cast. But before we do, let's ask God to join us in our conversation. Can I do that? Let's pray. Father in heaven. Uh, I thank you that you're God and I'm not, because, Lord, the, the way I would do things, I would, I would mess things up. And um, as I look at the world around me today, I, I trust that you're in control and that the way things are are a lot better than if I were you. So, God, I thank you that I can put my, my cares on you and I can trust you in the midst of my circumstances. Father, I, I ask that you would show us today where you are, that you would show us how to listen for your voice, and that we would do it without expectation, but we would do it fully relying on you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In 1 Kings 19, a couple of weeks ago, um, Elijah had just stood up to 850 false prophets and Jezebel threatens him, and so he's in his feelings. He's thinking that God's gonna, or that that he's gonna die. Um, and and in our big idea two weeks ago, it was this. I want to give it to you again. It was in the echo of our complaint is often the sound of a previous God-given victory. In the echo of our complaint, there is the sound of a previous God-given victory. We often have to remember. In the midst of our anxiety, we have to remember what God had done in our life. Listen, that's the overall theme of this entire series, that we always have to go back to what God has done in our lives if we're going to snap out of our cares and our worries. 1 Kings 19, 5 through 7 um, I want to look at how God responds to Elijah's complaint. We're going to review Elijah's complaint in just a moment, um, and then we're going to look at the cast. So last week we looked at the complaint. This week we're looking at the cast. 1 Kings 19.5 says this, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But he was sleep while he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. Now I want to stop right there. We're going to read the rest of the passage in just a moment, but I want to stop and point something out. In the Old Testament, many commentators believe anytime the phrase, the angel of the Lord, is appeared, 
it represents what they call a Christophany. A Christophany is when Jesus himself would appear to the person in the story. And so at the second part of, so first it mentions an angel appearing to him, but then it mentions the angel of the Lord appears to him. And when the angel of the Lord appears to him, he's like, Elijah, the journey ahead of you is going to be too much if you don't eat something. Eat something before you go. What this shows us is that Jesus is close to us when we're brokenhearted, just like Psalm 34, 18 said last, a couple weeks ago, that God is always close to the brokenhearted. If you're here today and you have a broken heart, I want you to know that God has this message for you because he cares for you, because he wants to be right with you where, where you need him the most. He's always with us. So keep reading in verse 8. 1 Kings 19.8 says this. We're going to read to verse 13. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food, the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you know that's a long road trip? There's not enough Twizzlers to get me for 40 days and 40 nights, right? Anybody else like Twizzlers on a road trip? All right, all right. That's the best road trip food. Uh, not best for you, but best. Um, so that's a long road trip, 40 days and 40 nights. But look where God tells him to go. God says um, 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Verse 9, there he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, <laughs> because he had the nerve. <laughs> I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before... So this is God's response. So that's the complaint. Now God responds in verse 11. God says to him, Go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound, the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So oftentimes God speaks to our hearts and we don't dare cover our face. Elijah knew that he had heard the voice of God. 
First Kings 9, 19, 9 through 3, I believe God is showing us how to cast our cares on him. You know, one of the things that I learned on the Bighorn River was that in order to catch fish while fly fishing, you had to know where the fish were. Like it was, it, 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 it would do you some good if you knew where the fish were when you were fishing. My, my guide, his name was Tucker. I absolutely love this kid. He's 19 years old from California, Santa Barbara. And he, he went to Montana just to learn how to fly fish. Um, I just, I love this kid. And um, while we were traveling, on the, I fished with him for two days on the Bighorn. And while we were fishing uh, on both days, he'd be like, hey, make sure you have the flies in the water coming up because this is a, we're coming up on good, good water. There's, there's good fish in here, he'd say. And because he would, they would teach us, if all you're doing is this the entire time you're fly fishing, guess what? Guess how many fish you're going to catch? Zero. You're not going to catch a fish up here. You're going to f- catch a fish in the water. Let me just say real quick, your care, your cares aren't going to be cared for if all you're doing is this, going around to your friends, talking about your cares, going around to your friends, telling them about your cares, telling them about your worries, telling them about your anxieties. The only place your cares are going to be cared for is when they're upon the Lord. Stop just talking about them and start giving them to God and leave them there. One of my favorite things to do when I pray is just to pray about something one time, even though I believe that per, the per, I believe in the story of the persistent widow, that she continued to go and go and go and go to God. But sometimes I just love just to give it to him once and just say, all right, God, you take it. And watch him work. Because when we put our cares on God, he's the only one that cares for them far better than our friends can. That was free. When God teaches Elijah how to cast, God shows him where to find him. When God teaches Elijah how to cast, he tells him, Elijah, throw the fly over here because that's where I'm going to be. Throw your care over here because that's where I'm going to be. In fact, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be here. Five places that God shows us where he's going to be in this scripture. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, come on, write it down, right? Number one, God teaches us, I am where you've seen me before. Let me say that again. God teaches us, I am where you've seen me before. Remember, this whole series is all about remembering what God has done, remembering the previous victories that God has given us. What mountain did Elijah go to? Mount Sinai. Does anyone know the significance of Mount Sinai? Exodus chapter 19. Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Elijah knows that. He's saying, Elijah, go back to where you know I've been. For some of you in this room, right now, this moment, 
will be a moment that you go back to years from now. Because you heard a message about casting your cares on God and you gave your heart to Jesus and you come back to this room and you say, God met with me right there. For some of you, 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 you lost yourself in this room when it was a bar and God has brought you back to show you who he is. For some of you, it's gonna be going back to the old Wyndham High School where our church used to meet where you got baptized outside of the high school because you gave your heart to Jesus in the high school. One of my favorite stories about when we were in the high school, kids would come, like, like younger, like 20-something. They'd come and they'd be like, man, I struggled so much in this high school, and, and here I am. God always wants to bring us full circle. He will do everything he can to do it. For me, I've got places in my life that I remember God met with me. Now, when I say I go back to those places, I don't go back to them physically always. Um, but, but sometimes I go back mentally and spiritually back to Camp Chautauqua just outside of Dayton, Ohio, where I, as an as eighth grade boy, I, I go forward on a, at, at camp one night to say, God, whatever you want me to do, that's where I want to be. And here I am in Maine because of that night at Camp Chautauqua. I always go back to what God has done in my life when I care, when I worry, when I'm carrying burdens. Number one, God teaches us, I am where you've seen me before. Number two, God teaches us, I don't always make you feel the same way that you felt before because I'm not in a feeling. God says, I'm not always going to make you feel the same way because I'm not in a feeling. I'm in truth. I'm in my word After, um, out on Mount Sinai, Elijah's there, and the first thing that passes by is what? A windstorm. The windstorm comes by, and it was so great, even the rock shook, it says. Now, I don't think that there's any word in God's word that's accidental. I think that every word in God's word is intentional. The word wind... The, a windstorm came by. Is in, in the original language is the Hebrew word ruach. You got to say it with the extra at the end of it, right? Ruach. And it's, it's the word wind, but it's also translated the word spirit. It's the same word that is used to describe the Holy Spirit. But God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the spirit. You know why? Because he wasn't in the feeling of the wind. He wasn't in the feeling. So oftentimes in our lives, we can feel something. And feeling isn't, di- isn't direction. It's only data. It's only data. You have to understand. It's telling me how I, how I feel right now, 
but it's not necessarily the direction I have to go. We can't be led by our feelings. We have to be led by truth, by things that we know. I really believe that God is wanting us to see here that his spirit isn't a feeling. Stop looking for God in how you feel. That's what causes all the worry. It's how you feel. Start looking for God in what you know. You know his word to be true. You know what's funny about, about wind is, um, is that wind is a feeling, right? Wind makes me feel. Um, so, so the last, I don't know, month, it feels like, Maine has been so friggin' muggy, right? It's been so muggy. And, and I moved to Maine to get away from being muggy, right? And so, um, but, but on those muggy days, on those humid days, you know what brought me some relief? The wind. And it felt good. There are times that the wind feels good. But guess what? There are other times that the wind knocks me over. That the wind is so strong that it knocks me over. It's the same way with God. There are moments in our lives that feel good. There are also moments in our lives that God knocks me over. I have to know the truth. I have to know which one he's in. Are you with me? Am I preaching to myself? God teaches us that he is where we've seen him before. He teaches us that um, he doesn't always make us feel the same way. Number three, God teaches us that I'm not always going to do things to make you tremble. I'm not always going to do things to make you tremble. God's response to us will not always scare us. The second thing that appears to Elijah on the mountain is an earthquake. The earthquake makes us tremble. But God wasn't in the earthquake because God isn't always into making us tremble. The original language here indicates that judgment is a part of an earthquake. Let me say this. The things in your life, the catastrophes in your life are not always a result of God's judgment on you. The things in the catastrophes in our life are always a result of sin, but they're not always a result of my sin. Stop thinking that the reason that you're sick or the reason that you have a disease is because you did something years ago that caused God to allow that disease in your life. Because that's not my God. You know how I know that's not my God? Because Romans 8.1 is true. Romans 8.1 has wrecked me over the last year and a half. Romans 8.1 says this, that there now is therefore no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. God doesn't condemn you after you receive Jesus in your life. Once you receive Jesus, you are in Christ. 
Therefore, he doesn't bring judgment on you. So many preachers today preach the judgment of God even on those that believe in Jesus. That's not what Romans 8.1 says. I, I had to learn this because I was beating myself up over stupid things that, that I would do. And I would, I would yell at myself, Adam, Michael. That's my middle name, by the way. It goes back to uh, my mom as a kid, like, would be like, Adam, Michael. And I'd be like, so I'd say that to myself. Uh, one day, um, I had just met with Mark, and he had told me, Adam, it's a sin to beat yourself up. And uh, the next day, I was in the refrigerator, and I got out some feta cheese. I think I've told this story before, but I got out some feta cheese, and I shook it. I don't know why you shake feta cheese. I don't, anybody else do that? But I just shook feta cheese, and feta cheese went flying everywhere. The lid went, popped up, and feta cheese went everywhere, and I went, Adam, my, whoa, whoa, wait, mm, nope, not going to beat myself up over that. We can beat ourselves up over the silliest things. And when we do, we're not operating as God does. God doesn't beat us up. The result, the, the catastrophe in your life isn't always a result of judgment. God teaches us, I am where you've seen him before. He teaches us that I'm not going to make you feel the same way that you have before because I'm not in a feeling. He teaches us, I'm not going to do things the way, I'm not going to make you tremble. I'm not doing things to make you tremble. Number four, God teaches us, I'm not always going to do things the way that I've done them before. I'm not always going to use the same things that I've used before. What was element number three? Fire. Thank you, 70s rock music. Right? You thought Earth, Wind, and Fire was, was original. So there's, there's wind. There's, then there's an earthquake. And then there's a fire. Anybody know how Elijah defeated the 450 false prophets of Baal? Fire. He used fire to, to kill the prophets of Baal. God's showing Elijah here. I'm not in the fire because you used that before. But I'm not always going to be in the same thing that I did before. Sometimes I'm going to be in the rain. I'm not always going to be in the fire. Sometimes I'm going to be in the rain. Stop expecting me to do things the way that I've always done them because there are times that there's a new river. There are times that's called for a new wineskin. There are times that I will make you new. I'm not always going to use the same things that I've used before. Drop your expectations. That brings me to number five. God teaches us. I say what I want to say in the way that I want to say it. All I ask you to do is listen. 
I say things the way I want to say them, what I want to say, the way I want to say it. All you have to do is listen. So, quick review. I am where you saw me before. I don't always make you feel the same way that I have before because I'm not in a feeling. I'm not always going to do things to make you tremble. I'm not always going to use the things that I have in the past. I say what I want to say in the way that I want to say them. All I ask you to do is to drop your expectation and listen. It's hard to hear God's voice when you've already determined what you want him to say. It's hard to hear God's voice when you've already determined what you want him to say. My desire this morning, I believe it's God's desire, is that we would drop our expectation, that we would remove ourselves from the equation and just let God be God. Stop expecting God to put this person in office. Stop expecting God to provide in this way. And just let God be God. Because when we let God be God, what we're able to say is, God, your grace, that's all I need. It's all I need. Your grace is enough. And it surrounds me with love and patience and kindness and mercy. And I know I'm cared for. Sit in your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you glad you came to church today? Next week, we're going to look at the care that God offers us. But today, I want us to think about what the whisper said. Elijah, what are you doing here? God doesn't want you to be trapped in your anxiety. That's where Elijah was. He was trapped. And God looked at him and he said, what are you doing here? This isn't a place for you. Some of you are, are in a place that God doesn't want you to be because you're wrapped up in the anxiety that you're worried about this and that and this and that. And God's looking at you saying, son, daughter, what are you doing here? You know what you're doing there? You know why you're there? You know what got you there? Expectation. You expected things to go this way. But God had another plan. So trust him. Maybe this will be a moment that some of you come back to years from now. 
and you look and you say, God met me in that room because I gave my heart to Jesus. I'm not afraid of silence when I preach, by the way. Because if I'm talking, the Spirit can talk through me, but when I'm silent, the Spirit talks a lot louder than I do. So what's he saying to you? How should you respond? What is the expectation that you've had of him that you need to say, God, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that expectation. I'm not, I'm not going th- to expect you to move in that way any longer. I give it to you. I surrender to you. Do what you want. Maybe there's someone in the room that needs to have that first moment with Jesus where you receive him. If you need to receive Jesus today, I want to I say a prayer for you, with you. I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. If you say it with me, would you fill out the card and would you mark on it that I'm committing to follow Jesus? And then would you take it to the room that we just opened the doors to and on, on my right and just drop it off and they've got a Bible they want to give you? We want to celebrate with you. We want to walk with you. But it begins with believing in your heart this prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. Because I believe it's a prayer that sent many people to hell. Because it's the belief in the heart that saves you, not the prayer. Do you really believe it? Do you really need Jesus? Say, God, I know you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Come to my life. Come into my life and save me. And I drop the expectation of what I think you're going to do in my life. And I just surrender to you. Come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name I pray. If you said that prayer, again, please take that to that room. But for the cares that are in this room, God, we lift them to you. God, we know that you're the best place to give our cares and our worries. God, we stop going and telling them to other people that can't do anything about them. And we just lay them at your feet. And we just drop our expectation of what you're going to do and surrender completely to you. God, I ask that you would say to us, peace, be still. As we sing this next song, I want you to sing it as a response to what we've heard. Because I promise you that when we respond to God, He always responds to us. Let's sing. Have a great week. I love you so much.